We will do a quick review of the verses of the beginning of this lesson, inshallah. So in these verses, we learned about two types of people. The first individual that is described is the person who speaks very well, speaks very eloquently, very beautifully, so much so that when he talks, you want to listen. So his words are very beautiful. But when you look at the actions of this individual, they're very destructive, very dangerous. You don't want to pick a fight with him. Because God protect you if you ever entered the bad books of this person. Because he is Aladdul Khisam, the most stubborn in dispute, the most evil, the most stubborn of all those who could pick a fight with you. Meaning, you don't want to be his adversary. And basically, we learned that this verse describes who? Hypocrites. Because hypocrites are, yes, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, we learned that they were very eloquent in speech. They would swear by Allah a lot. And at the same time, they were very abusive in their language and very argumentative with the people. And then the actions are described that the actions of this individual are so destructive that when he goes out, when he leaves you angrily and he gains a following, what does he do? He spreads corruption through the land. He goes on striving through the land, creating havoc and also destroying property, destroying al-harth. Harth can refer to property, fields where there's crop and it can also refer to produce. So people's hard-earned money, their hard work, he ruins it and destroys it. And then he also destroys a nasl. A nasl, you know, it refers to offspring, children. So it can actually refer to people, the young generations. It can also refer to nasl of animals. So for example, farmers, for them, of their most precious or valuable possessions is the babies or the young of their animals. Right? Because that is how their property increases, their money increases. But this person has no regard for the hard work of other people. He will go and destroy that. Wallahu la yuhibbul fasad, and Allah does not like the fasad. The same individual, when he is told, fear Allah, look at what you're doing. Just a few minutes ago, you gave such a beautiful sermon, and now look at your own actions, what are you doing? What happens to this person? He gets very offended. He likes to preach, but he doesn't like to be preached. He likes to tell others, but he doesn't like to be told. He likes to encourage other people to do good, but when he himself is encouraged to do good or stay away from sin, he gets very offended. So it shows that this individual considers himself to be a religious authority, who cannot be challenged, who cannot be advised, and he is full of himself, extremely arrogant. This kind of individual, Allah says, فَحَسْبُهُ جَهَنَّمُ وَلَا بِئْسَ الْمِهَادِ Sufficient for this person is hell, meaning that is where this person will end up, and what an evil place of rest it is. That is not the final abode that you want to go to. Now, like I mentioned in our previous class, that when you look at these verses, don't start analyzing which person you know fits these characteristics best. No. Look at yourself. Is there a contradiction in what I preach and what I do? 
Is it that on the one hand, I tell people all the time, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. And then my own actions contradict that? And then, what are my actions like? Are they productive or are they destructive? When I go somewhere, am I helpful or am I destructive? That people are just waiting for me to go away. What kind of an individual am I? This is something that we need to think about. The second individual that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes is who? وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَشْرِي نَفْسَهُ There is a person who sells himself even. Why? إِبْتِغَاءَ مَرْضَاتِ اللَّهِ To seek the approval, the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ Allah is ever kind with the slaves. If you think about it, the first individual, so many verses describe him. Isn't it? But the second individual, how many verses describe him? Only one ayah. There's basically one description that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives of the individual that he likes. And who is he? Yashri nafsahu ibtira amardatillah. He will even sell himself in order to attain the pleasure of Allah. What does it mean? It means that he will risk, he or she will risk anything anything to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to uphold the truth. He will risk his money, he will risk his reputation, he will risk his safety, his comfort, whatever it is. He doesn't care about it. Everything is secondary. Who is number one, the most important being for this person? It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is this person's goal. Allah's approval is this person's goal. So he will do anything to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy. So we see over here a contrast between two types of people. The first individual is the individual of hollow words. Hollow words, meaningless words. On the surface, beautiful, but those words mean nothing. In contrast, the individual that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes is who? A person of action, a person of service. You see here, there is action, there is service. Service to Allah, service to Allah's creation. Why? Because ultimately this person wants to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy. Then we see that the first individual whom Allah does not like is arrogant. So much so that when he is told, fear Allah, he gets offended. Right? So he's very arrogant. And here, in contrast, we see the person whom Allah loves is Humble, so humble that he will even risk his own comfort for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the question is, how is it that you earn maradatillah? How do you get Allah's approval? How does that happen? How does a person make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy with himself? How? By obeying Allah. There's a hadith in which we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that my servant does not come close to me except by performing the actions which I have obligated on him. What does that mean? That when you fulfill your duty towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what's going to happen? Insha'Allah, you will draw closer to Allah. So what are those duties that Allah has ordained upon you? Can you give me an example? Like for example, salah. Now sometimes praying salah is very easy. But sometimes praying salah means 
risking something, inviting something dangerous. Right? Like for example, if you're at home, very simple, easy, get up, do wudu, pray salah. But there are situations in which praying salah is not easy. Can you give me an example? Okay. Like for example, if you are in a public place, like a mall, alright, what else? Okay, when you're traveling on the plane, that can be very difficult. Like I remember there was a time when I didn't really care, you know, you don't think twice, it was so easy. You just go, do wudu or make tayammum and pray. Isn't it? But now, even checking salah time, right, on your phone, may be a little scary for some people. Or looking out the window again and again, that might be a little scary. Or making, you know, some actions might be a little scary. You have to risk something. When you're praying at school, Right? Or when you choose to pray when your friends or people around you have decided that they're not going to pray. You're the only one who's going to get up and pray. People are going to start making fun of you. So you are kind of putting yourself down. You're letting other people think less of you. Why? Because Allah is more important to you. This is مَن يَشْرِي نَفْسَهُ بِتِغَاءَ مَرْضَاتِ اللَّهِ Okay, when you're having fun somewhere, even there, it's kind of difficult. Yashri nafsahu, right? Your nafs wants to continue to have fun. Your nafs wants to continue to watch the game. But then, you know that if you keep watching, you're going to fall asleep because you're very tired. And you're going to miss your isha. So then you leave the game and go pray and come back. You are giving up yashri, you're selling. What does it mean? You're giving up your own self, your likes, your preferences. Your comfort, because Allah is more important to you. So this honesty is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes. You see, the first individual that is described, you know, talks a lot and talks about beautiful things. You know what it is? Anyone can say good things. Anyone can say good things. Speaking, you know, we think, wow, if somebody is speaking, they're doing such a great job. It's not a great job. It's not a big deal. Some people think, oh, this person is speaking in a microphone. What's the big deal? You know, at the beginning it seems scary, but then eventually you get very used to it. It's really not a big deal. Preaching even is not necessarily a big deal. You know why? Because even shaitan can tell people to do good things. You know the story where once the Prophet ﷺ appointed a companion to guard some money overnight so that nobody would come and steal it. So what happened, this companion was guarding the money, and somebody came all right, and started stealing. So this companion caught him and said, I'm going to take you to the Prophet ﷺ in the morning. And he said, no, no, please let me go, I'm poor, I'm hungry, this and that. He made so many excuses. So the companion let him go. The next night, same thing happened. The next night, same thing happened. And finally that companion was like, you know what, I'm not going to let you go. This time I'm really going to take you to the Prophet ﷺ. So he said, you know what? I will tell you something. If at night you say ayatul kursi, then nothing's going to harm you. Nothing's going to harm you all night long. You say ayatul kursi. So that companion let him go. The next morning the Prophet ﷺ asked that companion, what happened to your prisoner? So he said, this is what my prisoner told me, that if I read ayatul kursi, I'll be safe. And he said, your prisoner was a liar. He is a liar, but he spoke the truth here. Who was that prisoner? Do you know? Shaitan. Shaitan 
is telling a companion of the Prophet ﷺ, read Aydal Kursi at night and you'll be safe. Isn't that a good thing? It's a good thing he's preaching. Who is preaching here? Shaytan. Even Shaytan can preach. What matters is action. Action. Talking is easy. Proving with our actions, that is more difficult. And our akhirah does not depend on our words. Our ultimate result does not depend on our words. It depends on our actions. What kind of actions do we perform? In a hadith we learn that the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah does not look at your appearances nor your wealth, but He looks at your hearts and your actions. What is in your heart and what is it that you're doing? What do you want in your heart? Who is great in your heart? Is it yourself or is it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And your actions, what are you doing? Are your actions destructive or are your actions helpful, productive? So don't be deceived by people who speak well, nor should you become of those who only speak well. This doesn't mean we should not preach. We should preach. But it means that we should preach and we should practice what we preach. Alright? Because we see here the first individual who only preaches and his actions are destructive, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like him. And the one who is risking himself, his honor, his comfort, whatever it is, he's putting on the line for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the person that Allah likes. Then in the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuha alladhina amanu, O you who have believed, udukhulu fisilmi kafah. Enter into Islam, into submission. How? Kafatan completely, collectively. You see the word asilm is from sin lam mim, and silm means submission. And what is meant by submission is the religion of Islam. So enter into Islam, kafatan. And this word kafa means two things. Firstly, it means completely, entirely. Okay? Completely, entirely. All of your being, all of your existence. You as a person, and everything about you, everything in your life, everything that you are, you should enter into Islam. Secondly, the word kafa also means collectively. All of you. All of you, without exception. Meaning, Obedience to Allah, righteous deeds, is not just for aunties and uncles. Okay? It's not just for your mom and dad. Alright? It's not just for the elders. It's not just for the religious people. It is for who? Who is it for? All of us. Everybody. We are all in need of obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, like, if your grandmother recites the Qur'an, why does she recite it? Because she's in need of reward. What about you and I? Do we not need reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We need it too. So, udukhulu fi Enter into Islam completely. All of you. None of you should stay behind. The thing is that sometimes we associate religious actions with some people. And we exempt ourselves. Like we say, you know, my older brother, because he's older than me, that's why he should pray sunnah. 
Me? I'm two years younger than him. I don't need to say my sunnah. We exempt ourselves. Or for example, we say, you know, my friend, she's married into a very religious family, so yeah, she wears the hijab. Me, you know, what can I do? I'm in a difficult situation. I'm in a different situation, so it's not for me. No. The rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us are for who? For all of us. Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. All you who have believed, every single believer is being addressed. All of you should enter into Islam. And all of you should enter into Islam completely. What does it mean by this? Completely. Think about it. What would happen if you were to half ride a bus? Meaning, one foot is in the bus and the other foot is hanging off the bus. You've seen pictures of that, right? Or maybe you've seen people doing that in Pakistan, India. Right? They're like holding a bar of the bus and they're hanging off of it. Right? Have you seen that? What would happen? I mean, there's such a big risk that this person is taking. Isn't it? If their hand lets go, what's going to happen? They're gone. They're done. They're going to get badly injured. They could even die. What happens if you get into the car, you're half sitting in the car, the door is still open, and your mother starts driving? What would you say? Yeah, mom, keep going. It's so much fun. Really? No, he would start screaming. Isn't it? So, how would it be if somebody treats you like a half-friend? As in, sometimes they treat you like you're their best friend. Like for example, you both are at an event where she doesn't know anybody except for you. So she treats you like you're her best friend. But then if you are in a group of friends, if you're at school, she treats you like a nobody. When she needs you, she treats you like a good friend. And when she doesn't need you, it's like you don't matter. So she treats you like a half friend. How does that feel? How does that feel? Does it feel good? Really, tell me the answer. Does it feel good? No, it doesn't feel good. But the sad thing is, we treat Islam this way. We do what we like, what we find easy, and we leave what we find difficult. We pick and choose. There are aspects of Islam which we have taken. There are parts of our religion that we have made a part of our lives. We have incorporated them into our daily life. But then there are other parts of Islam which we have completely abandoned. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us here, enter into Islam completely. Not half-heartedly. Not 50%. Not 70%. No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants 100% from you. Why? Why is it necessary to enter into Islam completely? What if you choose only 70%? What if you say, okay, I'll pray. Alright, I'll eat halal. I'll buy only halal food. But yes, I'll deal with riba. I'll deal with interest. Or for example, I will pray, right? And I will recite a lot of Qur'an. But my mom, I'm sorry. I just cannot be good to her. Because she's a very mean woman and I have to answer back and I have to yell at her and I have to argue with her, etc. Or for example, a person says that I will you know, pray, but hijab I cannot wear. 
for example. What's the harm? What's the harm of doing only 60%, 70%, 80%? What's the harm? Yes? You are deliberately keeping yourself behind. Think about it this way. You know when you enroll in a course, you're told about how the marks will be divided? Right? So for example, you're told that 50% is a final exam, 25% for the midterm, and 25% for the paper that you have to write, for example, or the assignment that you have to write, the essay that you have to write, for example. And you're like, you know what? If I don't do the essay, it's only 25%. And then the midterm, I'll study a little bit for it. But the final exam, yeah, of course I'm going to study for it. I might make it. I might pass. Yes, at the end of the day, you might pass. But you also might not pass. Isn't it? Which is why so many times people will try extra hard for even 3%. Like for example, for some courses, you know, you're given the option of participating in a study or writing a review so that you will get a bonus 3%, bonus 5%. And people do that. Why? Because just in case they don't do good enough in their midterm or the final exam, they have something to count on. So imagine if we are deliberately leaving 10%, 20%, 30% of Islam deliberately, then what are we doing? We're kind of putting ourselves in a situation where we will fail or we will nearly fail. Yes? So in today's day and age, basically in school especially, people look, you know, what's the bare minimum that I need to do in order to complete this or in order to do this? And the same often goes for Islam. We're always looking for the bare minimum that we have to do, that we can do, that we think we're going to pass. But that's the thing. We don't know in Al-Akhirah whether our you know, good deeds will outweigh our bad deeds. There's no true way to tell that. And, you know, we could... Our bad deeds could overweigh our good deeds. We don't know. Or they could be completely equal. So it's always better to be safe than sorry. If we don't immerse ourselves completely in our religion, how can we know what the outcome will be? Exactly. The thing is that even the 70% that we might choose to do, what is the guarantee that we will do it perfectly? Like for example, if a person says, I'm not going to worry about you know, how I earn my money. I know it's not really okay, but it's not really fully halal, but it's okay. I pray five times a day. But can we really say that I pray five times a day perfectly? Who can claim that? All their five prayers are perfect. Who can make that claim? None of us can. Isn't it? So there's no guarantee that whatever we are choosing to do, we are doing it perfectly. Then how could we deliberately leave something of Islam? You know, one is that a person doesn't know that something is a part of Islam and that's why they're leaving it. Because they don't know. But the other is that they know, yet they leave it on purpose. And this is setting yourself up for failure. And we would never want that for dunya. We would never want that for our children. How could we want that for ourselves for eternity? So, udukhulu fisilmi kafa Enter into Islam completely. This means that uh, in your financial matters, in your language, the words that you speak, show that you're a Muslim. The kind of things that you think, your thoughts should also show that you're a Muslim. The way you dress, 
the way you feel, the way you interact with others, the way you sleep also should show that you're a Muslim. The way you eat, what you eat should also show that you're a Muslim. Your relationships also should show that you're a Muslim. Remember at the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, we learned about the hypocrites? An example about the hypocrites of a storm? Hmm? And people who are in a storm, what happened whenever there was lightning? What did they do? They would walk. كُلَّمَا أَضَاءَ لَهُمْ مَشَوْ فِيهِ وَإِذَا أَظْلَمَ عَلَيْهِمْ قَامُوا Whenever it was dark, they would stop. Whenever there was light, they would walk. What does that mean? Whenever things are easy, they obey. Whenever things are difficult, they stop. So don't be like that. Be a hundred percent committed. And do not follow the footsteps of shaytan. Khutwat is a plural of khutwa. And khutwa is a footstep. Basically, khutwa is the distance between two steps. Okay? Distance between two steps. So for example, when you're walking, the distance between your left foot and right foot. That would be a khutwa. So from this, khutuwat is used for footsteps. And the thing is that one footstep leads to, leads to another one. Which is why sometimes you're walking so fast that you're trying to stop, but you find it difficult to stop. So don't follow the footsteps of shaitan. What are the footsteps of shaitan? Footsteps of shaitan, think about it. If you say footsteps of this person, what does that mean? The path that they have gone on. The actions that they have done. So the footsteps of shaitan refers to the ways of shaitan. The actions of shaitan. The behavior of shaitan. The actions that shaitan calls you to. So this means don't do what shaitan does. And don't do what shaitan is telling you to do. So we see on the one hand, we are told to enter into Islam completely, stop picking and choosing, right? Show that you are a Muslim, and every part of your life should show that you are a Muslim. Your interactions with people, the language that you speak, what you listen to, it should show that you are a servant of Allah. And secondly, don't follow shaitan. Don't do what shaitan does. Don't follow his example. Meaning don't disobey Allah because shaitan will tell you to disobey Allah. Remember the story of Adam alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the angels to prostrate. Amongst the angels was also Iblis at the time. What did Iblis do? He refused. He said, no. Here, Allah, I will not obey you. Because I have a reason for not obeying you. And that reason is that I am better than Adam. Right? He gave a reason. So sometimes, this is what we also do when it comes to the matters of Islam. We say, yes Allah, I will obey you here and here and here and here. But here? No, I will not obey you here. And I have a reason for not obeying you. This is being like shaitan. Isn't it? A believer surrenders to Allah, submits to Allah in entirety, 100%. He doesn't pick and choose. So all believers, do not follow the footsteps of shaitan. Because, إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ مُبِينٌ He is to you a clear enemy, an open enemy. 
Meaning, shaitan does not hide his animosity. You know, there are some people who are very good at hiding their dislike for you. You know, on the surface, they'll be very politically correct. Right? But inside, they hate you. But shaitan does not hide his enmity towards us. He's an open enemy to all of us. How? If you think about it, he refused to prostrate to Adam a.s. Every child that is born, you know what shaitan does? Every child that is born, shaitan smacks him. Imagine, new baby, seriously. I mean, such a cute baby, you feel bad even giving a child like an injection. And the baby is going to cry, but you have to for the baby's well-being. You feel bad doing that because the cries of the baby are just, you don't want to hurt the baby. But shaitan is so evil that every newborn child, shaitan hits him or her. Shaitan hates you. You're going to follow him? You're going to listen to him? You're going to do what he does? No person in their right mind would follow their enemy. You know, if somebody tells you a story, you know, when you were two years old, your cousin used to hit you a lot. Then how would you feel? I was two years old only, and my cousin used to hit me? No wonder I don't like him. I mean, that was such a long time ago. Isn't it? But you still have some feeling, some bad feeling towards him because he hit you when you were two. Shaitan hit you also. Shaitan refused to prostrate to Adam. And every day, Shaitan tries to harm you. And he has openly declared war against you. Openly. He said, he promised that he will come to you to harm you from your right, from your left, from your front, and from behind you also to harm you. To lead you astray. So still you're gonna to listen to him? You're gonna follow him? You're gonna imitate him? What a terrible thing you could do.